today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk about economic recovery, which is a key part of this recovery from COVID and from the lockdowns and everything else. We were talking with Minister Karina Gould in the last hour uh, about uh, the daycare program as a key element for that. And it looks like they're making progress, well, not in Ontario yet, sadly, but uh, in the other provinces. But we want to talk about the impact that uh, this is having on businesses, large and small. And we know that supply chain issues continue to hammer businesses of all kinds, especially retailers who are importing things. But as Global Zangaviola reports, uh, the impact on multinationals and big corporations is one thing, but there's also a toll for small and medium-sized businesses. Retail giants like Amazon and Walmart have chartered their own ships. Canadian Tire bought a stake in a BC port to turbocharge its supply chain. Now, small and medium-sized companies don't have the same options, don't have the same deep pockets or bargaining power. But they're more nimble, and several that I've spoken with have pivoted to local suppliers. But that doesn't change the fact that COVID restrictions disproportionately benefited larger retailers, many of whom reaped record profit during the pandemic while independently-owned shops struggled for nearly two years and struggle to this day. Now, a new Angus Reid survey suggests 80% of Canadians think it's important to buy and support local this year and are willing to pay a little extra to do this. Anne Gaviola, Global News. But there's more that they can do, especially the federal government, if we're going to talk about this. And uh, there are some uh, interesting pieces of information and advice coming uh, from all circles, including a, a letter uh, from the Toronto Region Board of Trade that, uh, that I think uh, could serve as a template for some of the economic recovery plans that the federal government uh, should be crafting right now. Uh, it's uh, five ways the federal government can actually support businesses and get our economy back on track. Uh, Jan Silva is the president and CEO of the Toronto Region Board of Trade, uh, joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Uh, Jan, great to have you with us again on the program. A lot of work and a lot of thought went into the uh, the five-point plan that you've uh, presented here. Uh, absolutely. It really is about putting our best foot forward collectively to help get our economy and our businesses and our workforces back on track. There's a willingness here that I'm sensing, and I, and I hope this is, is legitimate, you know, that they say, look at whatever it takes. And, and I know that, you know, there's, there's always the concern about the fiscal pay price for this, etc. Uh, but the, the price of not doing anything and not uh, ensuring that this recovery is going to be successful is far greater, isn't it? Oh, no, absolutely. And um, the advice we're giving to the federal government, Bill, if we just focus on small and medium-sized businesses as an example, um, our advice is to give them a fighting chance. And by that, many of our small businesses have taken on hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. So let's look at where it's possible to provide debt forgiveness. But that's not all. We're also trying to bring solutions to the table by saying it shouldn't necessarily need to be a one-size-fits-all. There's certain parts of, say, Toronto or the country or the region uh, that have been hit hard, harder than other parts. Um, so if I may, for example, up around Pearson Airport, we've got a huge logistics and e-commerce uh, economic activity in that area. Um, all but 5% of those workers are back physically on-site working. So the small businesses in that district um, are not suffering the way, say, the financial district in downtown Toronto those 2,500 small businesses are suffering because still today we've got 77% of the 550,000 financial district workers continuing to work from home. So those 2,500 small businesses with the stimulus falling off are continuing to struggle to stay afloat. I want to talk about that in more detail if I could. I, I, and we'll get back to your, your bullet points here in a couple of seconds. But to that uh, situation that's developed here, Jan, 
by necessity, of course, because of the, of the pandemic and the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of businesses are going to have to reevaluate what they're doing, uh, which could include, uh, you know, do we need this as much office space? Uh, there are contracts that are in place here right now. There are some legal ramifications. Uh, countries may, or co- companies rather, uh, and, and many of them we've talked to already are deciding, okay, maybe we have to reevaluate how we do business. Uh, and uh, it's going to take some help here because, I mean, a lot of the times this is going to be something where financial decisions are going to have to be made, uh, you know, about staffing and, and, and space mm-hmm. in downtown Toronto, which is uh, very expensive and things of this nature. Do you get the sense that the government is aware of the problem and that they, they need to stand by and, and offer assistance when necessary? Um, I would say that the government is very receptive to ideas, data, feedback, and insights that are coming from the business community. There's a strong commitment to want to get this right. And I, when I say government, while the focus is on our five recommendations to the federal government, I would argue that the province and our, our cities in the region are very much uh, ready, oh, sure. willing, and able mm-hmm. to do what they can to help. I mean, if we could spend a minute on digital readiness, that's one yeah, of the things yeah. we're recommending that the government take on. But it's also been critical for our small businesses, many of whom have had to pivot to curbless and e-commerce. Um, it's not just enough to have a website. While there's been some tremendous work done uh, with a wonderful program called Digital Main Street to help our businesses go online and create an online presence, the reality quickly becomes how do they handle order fulfillment? How do they deal with their supply chain? How do we make sure that we can digitize each step of the process so it's uh, not layering on additional pain points uh, for those small businesses? Um, another part of the five-point plan was uh, suggesting a commitment to an urban agenda. And if I could give a key example of that, E-commerce has accelerated uh, through the pandemic, and I spoke about the Pearson Logistics and Warehousing Zone, which is really kind of ground zero for all of that activity for the region. That uh, is our second largest employment zone in the country, most poorly served by public transit. 300,000 workers in that area. There's about a million cars a day that go in and out. And so we have just got a congestion nightmare that's bubbling in around that Pearson area that's going to impact all parts of the Toronto-Waterloo-Hamilton corridor because as traffic backs up, not being able to get in around that area, it's, it's going to impact supply chains and manufacturing across the whole. So we really need to uh, be thoughtful about the solutions that need to be put in place to help solve some of these big problems that are facing us now as we're coming through the pandemic. Well, that problem's spreading. I, I, you know, people in their minds, I may be just thinking around Pearson, uh, but as you mentioned, that warehousing and distribution is, it actually moves all the way up now towards close Mayfield and Brampton now, yeah, there through Field yeah. Region. Uh, we know that when we go up north uh, uh, to our place up there, I mean, for God's sake, it's gridlock. I mean, and, and yeah. a lot of other, they're 18 wheelers trying to get that product to, to market. And it's a, it's a tough situation. Uh, there's an old road system there. There aren't enough support uh, of, of transit systems for, for the people that live up there. The place is booming right now. And, and I know that they've, they've cried out for help in the past and said, look, we need some coordination here. And, yeah. and that's where the, the federal and provincial governments can step in and say, look, we can oversee this. Uh, well, absolutely. And we're talking to both of those levels of government about the need for a movement of goods strategy. Um, other major logistics areas, if you look at the state of Texas that does a lot of cross-border uh, flows that, that feed uh, con- the continental U.S., they have a very robust movement of goods strategy. So they're looking at dedicated freight uh, corridors. They're looking at much, much better interchanges between where trucks move on to rail and where they're moving um, cross-border. So that's one particular example. 
The other piece of work that we're just about to undertake is a deep dive just using a small place-based example around Pearson. We are looking to work with employers in that area who are in the logistics and warehousing to understand what best practices globally looks like and what are the solutions we can put in place. One quick example, I mentioned there's so little public transit in that area. Uh, there's a wonderful innovator connected to uh, the Mars Discovery District ecosystem that provides transit on demand. So if workers in Pearson were given permission to share postal code information about the residential location of their workers, it could be quite easy to put in place a, a shuttle service that would connect workers living in the same location into that zone. So it'll reduce the number of cars that need to come in and provide a very efficient way of getting a transit-like service for those workers without waiting decades to get transit lines built. And that goes back to your point from a couple of minutes ago, too, about you can't have a one-size-fits-all. The the plan here is going to have to look at each particular area and say, what do you need? And and what that area needs may be totally different from what another part of the GTA or another part of the province might need. Uh, I know you've talked about light rail systems, and there have been a lot of commitments made by the government to get those done. Uh, We need to get shovels in the ground. Uh, Hamilton's awaiting theirs. London, on the other hand, where our listeners at CFPL are listening right now, uh, they've decided on bus rapid transit. Well, that needs assistance, yeah. too. I mean, the governments have to understand that and say, OK, that's not going to work for you, but this will. Uh, what can we do for you? Exactly. And I think that's where, you know, we as business communities and and as um, local regional uh, players can provide a lot of insight. So that's where we work very closely with the Hamilton Chamber, with chambers across mm-hmm. the Toronto Waterloo Corridor. We do a lot of data analysis to say, let's understand the place-based problems that we're having and what it's going to take to fix it. And it's not always just government. I mean, a lot of cases, yes, we need uh, policy changes and we need infrastructure investments, but there can be things that business owners can do collectively um, that will make it more affordable to put solutions in place more quickly. But it's Exactly as you're saying, Bill, as I said at the top, it's got to be much more prescriptive about the specific problems that are happening in different locations, as opposed to trying to do a one-size-fits-all solution. Because at the end of the day, it ends up a one-size-fits-all doesn't really solve anything. It ends up being uh, kind of the lowest common denominator for us. Uh, let's talk about something that just happened a couple of days ago. Of course, that's the Glasgow uh, Climate Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were some commitments made by our government, by our federal government about this and about net zero policies. I know a lot of businesses initially, Jan, were saying, wait a second here. I, you know, I, is that really going to be helpful to us? Is that going to hurt our business? Uh, according to what, what you guys are t- saying to the federal government here, you look at this as an opportunity as long as the government is going to be there to partner in that transition. Absolutely. The climate economy, without a doubt, is a tremendous opportunity for Southern Ontario. With the innovation um, and the expertise that already exists here, we do have the potential to position ourselves as a globally dominant solution provider for the world. But uh, what we need to do is identify which of those uh, clean tech solutions are scalable and will have a meaningful impact And as importantly, we need to make sure we've got business at the table so that we're anticipating and addressing any unintended consequences. And if if I could give you an example of a potential unintended consequences, carbon tax on cement, you know, want that as an incentive to get people using something that's more carbon neutral. The reality is we've got a housing affordability crisis. You mentioned that off the top happening throughout the region. Um, a carbon tax on concrete would do nothing more than drive up the price of housing. 
So we've got to be very, very careful. And that's why it's a combination of having the scientists, the innovators at the table, the policymakers at the table, but as importantly, different sectors of business at the table to say, okay, here's what we're going to need to transition or wait, um, wait a second, like uh, we've got a housing problem. So if you do this, you're going to exacerbate another problem. It's not to slow down progress. It's to be more thoughtful about all the different elements of what it's going to take to um, deliver this at scale. And in doing so, we hope to set up a few pilot programs to do proof of concept. But I do believe it's a huge opportunity, and governments around the world are looking at this as a key pillar of their planning for recovery and reopening. The opportunity, as you mentioned, for Ontario to actually take the lead here when it comes to things like EVs is going to be very much dependent upon some uh, some concessions, if that's the right word, uh, from the the United States government vis-a-vis uh, the, the Made in America thing, which is really going to cause a major bump here. I'm hoping that there are going to be some resolutions. I mean, past governments have always tried to find some middle ground here. I hope these guys can, too. Uh, because that that would, I think, create a fantastic opportunity here for the province. And we saw that, Jan, just a couple of weeks ago, where even Doug Ford is starting to say, hey, you know, we can be the world leader here. You know, they're yeah. starting to explore mineral rights up in northern Ontario. They're talking about the investments in southern Ontario with actually building these EVs. Uh, there's a golden opportunity here. And I think our sweet spot is very much, uh, as it pertains to U.S.-Canada relations, is very much in automotive, because there's very yep. strong awareness on the U.S. side of the border, how important our integrated automotive and and manufacturing network is to jobs in America. And so our ability even, uh, again, not to focus broadly on, uh, you know, by American and and Canada-U.S. relations, but focus very narrowly on this automotive sector and what's it going to take to get buy-in on both sides of the border with an understanding of the benefit collectively. So there's lots, I think there's so much that can be achieved if we can really help governments understand, let's focus on place-based issues or particular uh, critical components of the economy that people will be um, willing to collaborate on, because that's where I think we're going to have much faster progress and much bigger impact in short order. Well, and those partnerships are so important that we've developed across the border, aren't they? I mean, I, you recall during the NAFTA negotiations a couple of years ago when Donald Trump was pushing for Buy America, Buy America, some of the strongest pushback he got was from people in Michigan and Ohio said, don't screw Absolutely. up this supply chain. Uh, don't, you know, it ain't broke. Don't, yeah, don't try to fix it. It's not broke. Uh, and I'm hoping those same voices are going to be uh, loud and clear for, for the president uh, when they meet down there. Uh, opportunities uh, and, and, of course, government support are a big part of this. Uh, I'm hoping the government uh, will not just read this but embrace an awful lot of these suggestions. I think it's a, a great uh, game plan and a great template for moving forward on this. Uh, congratulations on the letter. Uh, here's hoping it can uh, lead to a positive response, Jan. Thanks so much for the time today. Thanks, Bill. Looking forward to keeping touch on this. You betcha. Jan DeSilva, the president and CEO of the Toronto Region Board of Trade, uh, with their game plan for uh, federal and provincial, as she said, uh, involvement in the, the economic recovery and uh, and being able to pivot. I mean, she just raised a very important point about this. They may develop a policy and say, here, this is going to work, and there's going to be some consequences, maybe unintended consequences, and governments have to be able to pivot and say, whoa, okay, we didn't see that coming, but now here's what we're going to do to try to help you. That's all part of the bigger plan. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.